you have your Bible, turn with me to James chapter 2. What's every nine-year-old's favorite part about Christmas? Gifts. That's absolutely right. And my screen isn't even up yet, so you guys weren't even able to cheat. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's an easy one, right? Every, every kid loves gifts. And I don't know, it seems like as we get older, people seem to, like, be down on gifts. People seem, well, you know, if you're really spiritual, uh, gifts. But honestly, the Bible is full of, of gifts. And, and it's, it's a way that God expresses love. And uh, a lot of people say, well, uh, you know, gifts is, is sort of the lowest on the, the to- you know, if there's a ladder of gifts, you know, or a ladder of love, gift giving is like on the bottom one. And I, I would say that's not true. I, I would say that gift giving would be equal with, with all of them. There's a really good book uh, called The Love Languages. It's uh, by Dr. Gary Chapman. I really encourage you. I have a copy at my church. I have a copy at home. It's a fantastic book, and it talks about how we express love and how we receive love. And it's, it's really been a great tool to help me learn how to minister to people. You know, whether it's to my wife, who is a, a complete opposite from me. She is like Mrs. Details, and she is, like literally she had a, a to-do list for me this morning. Like, wake up, shower. Get, you're laughing. I'm being dead serious. Go home, look at it. It's like walk the dog. Because um, I'll tell you what, it is unbelievable. I'm, I'm not that person, you know. And, and even just now, probably when, not probably, absolutely, when Pastor Ram was like, hey, you and Kemley stand up, she was like, oh, great. I, you know, this, that's not her gift. That's not who she is. She is a behind the scenes. She loves details and things like that. And, and so the same is true with love. She does not, you know, for me, it's like she can come home and the house could be wrecked and just pet me and say, hey, I love you, sweetie. You're awesome. And I'm like, this is great. Life is good. If I was to do that with her, not so much. <laughs> so there's different languages of how we express love. And God's given us those languages. And so what I want to talk today is, is gifts. And I really want to talk about the ultimate gift. And like I said, the Bible's full of, of God-giving gifts. Um, here's the most famous one. This is, uh, we'll all know this verse. This is not James 2 that's going to come up on the screen. It's actually John 3.16, which says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. This is God's gift to us. Of all the things that he could have given us, and and I'll tell you, preachers will spend the rest of this worldly life talking about this verse right here. And realistically, you, you could stay there. That, that's powerful enough in and of itself. That's why we're here today. You know, we, um, the worship leader talked about, you know, yeah, we're, we're here and we're celebrating his birth, but ultimately we're, we're celebrating his life. We're celebrating his death and, and resurrection. And, and this is one part of it, is, is why we're here as Christians. You know, a lot of people will call this sort of the, the Christian 101 scripture, right? John three sixteen. In Romans 10.9, here it's the next screen, backs that up. It talks about, you know, how we become a Christian. You know, it says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe it in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Well, that was the next screen. Anyway. And again, this is, this is Christian 101 kind of stuff. This is, hey, how do you become a Christian? 
You know, we, we, if some of you may be here for the first time, some of you may be at church for the first time in a really long time, and you may say, what is this about, this, this church thing, this Christian thing? This is really it, guys. If, if you've never been to church or if you've been to church for a really long time and you're like, what, what is the essence of Christianity? And it's really simply this. We've fallen short of the glory of God. We've sinned. We've all sinned. We've all made mistakes. And God saw that and he, there had to be separation. Because God is so holy and so perfect that him and sin cannot live together. It's like oil and water. And, and so how did, you know, and we couldn't bridge that gap. There was nothing that we could do in our own power that would bring us back to God. There's nothing we could do that could erase that. And so God gave us this incredible gift. And that was his son as a sacrifice. He lived a perfect life but paid the price as though he took all of our sins, which he did. And, and, he, and because we believe in him, you know, the Bible says, like I said in, in Romans 10, you can flip the next slide, I think it says it. No, I lied. Okay, never mind. <laughs> Romans 10, you can go there later. It says, you know, if anyone believes in him, he shall have eternal life. Believe, you know, confess with their mouth, believe in their heart, they'll have eternal life. It's an incredible gift. But today, I, I don't want to talk about this. This is an incredible gift that's been given to us. But the Bible also says it's more blessed to give than to receive. Yeah, it's, it's, it's more blessed that we give than receive. So my question for you is this. Okay, God's given us this incredible gift. And, and Jesus said, it is finished. When he was hanging on the cross, he said, it is finished. It's over. He gave it to us. It's done. You know, I, I say it this way. You know, in my wallet, like I said, my wife's the detail person. So she actually put these credit cards in my wallet because we're going to go on a trip here this week. We're going to go surprise my parents. I'm really excited. She put these things in my, my wallet. And to be honest with you, I have no idea what, this one's a Discover card. I have no idea what our limit is on this. I've, this is my debit card. I have no idea. The women are laughing. I'm literally looking right now, and I see women all over the, the sanctuary laughing. This is my debit card. I have no idea how much money is on my debit card. It could be $5. It could be $5,000. I have no idea. But when I go to the store, Kimberly says, use this card. And I say, okay. And that's what I go and do. But I know it's good because I trust her, and she handles that stuff because that would drive me insane if I had to, and it would not be managed very well. So she manages it. She does a great job. But... God has done the same thing for us. God has deposited into your bank account, your spiritual bank account, salvation. He has deposited incredible spiritual gifts into your life that are absolutely unique to each and every one of us. Some of you are laughing at me. You know, I can't believe, you know, can I, can I balance a bank book? Yeah, I can manage one. But I don't like to, and I'd rather not. Some of you, I would say, hey, come on up here. Take this lapel mic and come up and talk. Some of you would be fine with that. Some of you would rather die. Jesus, I'm ready right now. Let's just go before you'd rather come and speak to people. And so God's given us all sorts of incredible gifts. He's instilled in us all sorts of kinds of giftings and abilities and things like that. And so my, my challenge to you this morning is what is your ultimate gift to God? He's already given you your Christmas gift. We celebrate it, right? Christmas is really a remembrance of. It's like an anniversary, right? This has been done. It's finished. 
But now the question is to you, what is, what is your gift to God? Let's start answering this question in James chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, you can just listen along. James 2, let's go to uh, 14, verse 14. It says, what good is it? What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? What's the answer to that? Gosh, that wasn't very enthusiastic. (laughs) Can such faith save them? No, the answer is no. It's hypothetical, but we can all answer that question. Verse 15. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself if not accompanied by action, is dead. Verse 18. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God. Good! Even the demons believe that and shudder. Verse 20. Gotta love this language. You foolish person! Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In that same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without our deeds is dead. I wish I could say this is like a, a younger generation thing. But as, as we get older, we start seeing, you know, these oh, would have been, could have been, should have been people in life. And to some extent, we all have that. To some extent, we look back and we, we see an opportunity maybe that was missed. Maybe we see something that's like, oh, if I had to do that again. Yeah, I know that... that People say, you know, oh, live with no regrets. That's impossible. I mean, there are just so many choices that you could possibly make. There's so many things out there, you know, and we're human, right? We make mistakes. I mean, it's impossible. It's like saying, you know, I'm just going to live my life and, hey, whatever happened, happened. Don't even, you know, there's a rearview mirror on the car for a reason. We have a memory for a reason, <laughs> you know, that in and of itself. We've been given a memory so that we can look back and learn things. You know, what's the definition of insanity? It's doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Let me give you a quick balance to this. This isn't saying that, you know, we're accepted into heaven because we, we need deeds. God's real clear on this. Uh, Ephesians 2.8 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. 
And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. Our salvation, our, our admittance to heaven, you can't earn it. You can't work for it. You can't strive for it. You can't be a monk. You know, when I moved here to New Mexico, I heard about these penitentes. Have you guys heard about these guys? You know, beating themselves and hurting themselves. You know, that, that's dumb. <laughs> you know, you, you can't, you're not going to, you know, God's not going to see you bang your head against the wall enough and go, okay, you're good. Come on in. And it just doesn't work that way. There's nothing we can do in and of itself to get into heaven. We have to trust and believe that, that God's sacrifice through his son, Jesus Christ, was enough. However, remember what we just read in, in James 2.22. It said, Abraham's faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. So it's not just what we believe. It's not just what we do. It's, it's a combination of both of those. And, and I can't describe it to you. You know, it would be like I was telling you about the different roles my wife and I play in, in our marriage. And we, we, we sort of have a rule and we pretty much say, who does this action best? Manage the checkbook, Kemle. Get up and public speak, me. You know, and we have these, and it, we do this every day, right? Whenever there's a, uh, a, a job or, or something to do, or, or like both of us want to do something, we ask each other, who's better at this? And when we decide, whether it's 10 seconds or 10 minutes or however long we want to debate that, you know, we ultimately say, okay, that's your job. You go and do that. And there's a balance there, and, and it works. It's, it's what makes our, our marriage really great. I think the same is true with faith and works. We all know someone who is all faith, right? Oh, I believe God's good, and they go out and do, man, who knows what. It's, it's usually not good. You know, no, no one stumbles into great morality. It's not something that, you know, just, oh, man, I woke up, and this is how I was, a fantastically moral person. It doesn't work that way. But at the same time, I, I know all sorts of people who are absolutely incredibly legalistic, who believe they're going to earn their way into heaven by the works they do, Pharisees, Sadducees. Jesus reserved his most critical words for those kind of people. There has to be a marriage of both of them. So when we talk about this ultimate gift, again, I'm not talking anymore about God's gift to us. What is our ultimate gift to God? You know, last time I was here, I talked about how the Gospel of John states that you know, there's no greater love than this, that one would lay down his life for his friends. That's Jesus' words in, in the book of John. And I went on to explain that while ultimately it's, it's a perfect pointing at the cross, it's a perfect pointing at you know, Jesus ultimately doing that, that there's no greater love than this, to lay down his life. But he didn't just lay down his physical life. One of, my, one of my favorite quotes of Jesus is um, when he's frustrated. This is going to be a weird favorite quote. You're going to be like, wow, this says a lot about you. But one of my favorite quotes about, of Jesus is when he's dealing with the apostles and he's frustrated. He's like, how much longer do I, will I tolerate you? How much longer will I have to put up with you? And I feel like God says that to me sometimes. You know, it's like, how much longer, oh my goodness, you know, dealing with. And I think as he went through this, he had to lay down everything. 
how many times, you know, and he asked, remember he asked, like, how much do I have to explain this? How much do I need to go into this? He took an incredible amount of time. You know, a lot of people think about, wow, why, why did, I think my brother was asked, my brother's here today, I'm really glad he's, he moved here to Santa excuse me, to Santa Fe to be with us. I, we were sitting around the other night, and he was asking me, why do you think Jesus waited till he was like 30? We were reading through the Bible, and it was talking about, you know, remember when he was a kid, and he was, got, lost, got lost in the temple, and you know, Mary and Joseph took off, and he's like, you knew where I would be. And it says they, he astonished even the teachers at a very young age. And, and my brother was like, do you think Jesus knew like everything even at, at that little of an age? And it's like, well, it says he was schooling the prophets even, you know, <laughs> even then. He was schooling the teachers even back then. I imagine he knew quite a lot. My brother said, why do you think he waited till he was 30? I said, honestly, I can only tell you the time was right. My guess was three years was plenty. But Jesus took his time, right? He spent all sorts of time down here with us. He took his talents. You know, Mary, did you know? And it went into, remember line after line, it talked about all these miracles. He would one day walk on water. His hand would calm the storm. He used incredible talents. And then finally, he used his treasure, his, his very life. He poured out so that we could have it. You know, and we're all given this. We're all given this incredible gift of time that we can use these things. If you think about all, all these things are measurable, right? You know, if you go to work, and you, you can go to work right now, and it's like, you walk in. At the end of the day, when the boss is doing the review, when the boss is signing your check, they're asking themselves some questions, right? They're like, does this person show up on time? Maybe it's that simple. I, I was an executive for a pretty big company here in town and, and had tons of employees. Probably one of my biggest reasons I let people go was they were constantly late. They were constantly just not there. You know, and, and, and then like they would come in 45 minutes late and they would be like, so what? I, you know, hey, I had stuff to do. I said, yeah, so did I. And apparently I can hire someone else to do it. It's like, it, it's really that easy. You know, how hard do they work? Do they get the job done? And ultimately, at the end of the day, there were people I fired and there were people I promoted. And when it came down to it, it was their works. I could ask them, hey, do you believe in the company? But ultimately, I saw if they believed in the company. It was in their attitude. It was how they served our customers. It was in how they presented themselves. It was how they took initiative in their job. And as they went and did those things, a lot of them caught my eye for good or for bad. We'd have weekly meetings on the executive team, and uh, it was a top three, bottom three. Who's catching your eye this week? These top three, hey, man, they're really performing. They're doing really great. These bottom three, and, and my boss would say, what are you going to do about the bottom three? And they'd, he'd ask also, what, what would you do about the top three? Oh, I'm going to give this person a gift card. I'm going to take this person out to lunch. I'm going to write this person a card. This person really, we had one person who's always doing a good job. They like CDs. You know, so I'd, I'd often walk them to our, our CD section. And I'd say, hey, pick out a CD for yourself. You did a great job this week. Same was true for the bottom three. What are you going to do about these bottom three? This person needs to get written up. This person has been written up. They need to go. But it was tangible. It was measurable. It was constantly something we were looking at. 
The God of the universe who knows the hairs on our head, who knows every thought in our mind, do you think he's going to be a little more accountable than I was? The answer is absolutely. Absolutely. But the beautiful thing is God says what pleases him most? You know, the Bible, the Bible talks about the angels look at us in wonder of how we don't, we don't see God, but we worship him. How do we worship him? We worship him with our faith and with our deeds. You know, we all do that a little bit differently. I want to talk today real quick about like five things I think that are in common for all of us uh, of what we can do to honor God. First one. Be intentional. I'm going to push you a little bit hard on this. We know this guy, Benjamin Franklin. Maybe you know him from your picture. Maybe you know him from the $100 bill. Benjamin Franklin was famous, infamous, for keeping an incredibly detailed journal. They still have copies of this. He, he didn't necessarily uh, have the right theological viewpoint on things, but was an incredible individual. And uh, part of what made him click, by the way, a lot of us know him as like a founding father on the $100 bill, helped create our constitution, with, you know, those kind of things. A lot of people don't realize he was one of the most educated person, people in our country. He had the most extensive library that, that eventually formed a university. His library turned into a university. That's how extensive it was. He was an incredible scientist, uh, with patents. He was a theologian. He had all sorts of different books and writings and, and things of that nature. And then in his spare time, he like helped found our government. It, it, take time. There's so many uh, biographies and things like that. Uh, I couldn't narrow it down to one. But just even do a Google search. There's, there's some great articles on, on who Benjamin Franklin was. And I challenge you, if you want to feel like you don't do a whole lot as a person, just read up on Benjamin Franklin. It'll make you feel... A lot better. Well, I've been doing that lately. And uh, one of the things he was famous for is he kept a very detailed journal. And specifically, this journal would, would track his daily to-dos, but he had this major question that he would ask himself every single morning. This was the first thing that was on his agenda before he did anything else. And the question that was written in his journal every single day was, what good shall I do this day? And I've seen this journal, and I've seen this man's writing. And it wasn't, a, it wasn't like something he put on the wall at his house that looked like really good. This was something that was written in his journal every single day. What good shall I do this day? And then there was blank space. And every single day, he'd have something written in there. And it varied. It was, it was really interesting to go through it and look at it, but it was like this man kept himself accountable. He challenged himself. And I don't know about you, but if I, if I had uh, the handheld mic right now and was like, what good did you do yesterday? Luckily, I had some time beforehand to think about this, so I was able to come up with something a little bit quicker, but it wasn't very, I mean, imagine like if you were asked that every day. Imagine if you asked yourself that every day. What good are you going to do today? You know, it's easy to say to ourselves, well, I'm a Christian, I believe, you know, going to heaven, that's great. It's another thing to say, okay, because I believe this stuff, I believe that I'm an ambassador for Christ, which the Bible says we are as Christians. And so therefore, I have a responsibility to my family, 
to my community, to my world, to do good. You know, going back to my work situation, if, if someone didn't do good for the company, of which we were paying them, you know, it was unbelievable. People who showed up 45 minutes late, like, they felt like they were doing me a favor by gracing me with their presence, you know, when I scheduled them in for work, which people were, like, begging for hours. You know, and they show up 45 minutes late, and they're like, what? Like, I, I know 10 people who are at home right now who would love to get a phone call from me. Absolutely would love it. And you're looking at me like, you're blessing me? And, and I think the same way with God. Every morning I wake up, no matter how tired I am, no matter how great I feel, every day that we're given here on earth is an absolute gift from God. You know, when I uh, was growing up, I became a Christian when I was about 19 years old. And uh, I might, let's put it this way. My father told people, my nickname CJ. My father tells people, CJ isn't going to live to see 30. He knew me pretty well. My dad was a judge, by the way, so he'd seen a lot of that stuff. You know, it's not like he was just some naive father. No, my dad knew. He, like, threw dudes in jail for life. Like, he understands what that looks like. And so, literally, he told me, he told our family and friends, CJ's not going to live to be 30. 33 this week. Thank you very much. Um, but I'd agree with him. I, you know, when I was 17, 18, um, I'd, I'd probably agree with him. You know, let's live this thing hard all the way to the end, which is probably right around the corner. Um, I wasn't thinking anything of this kind of stuff. Life was, when I woke up, everything was about me. I think God came into my life and I saw all the incredible things that he had done in my life and through me, even since I was a little kid. I started to look back and I started to think about all the good things that God has done in my life. I mean, just think about it. If you're sitting in this room, you're incredibly blessed. Incredibly blessed. You know, this is going to sound weird, but I'm a big food guy. And uh, one of the, the things I feel absolutely mo most blessed about, I feel like the blessings of God in my life is when I'm at a buffet. And uh, I, I had a friend of mine take me to the buffet the other day, and I said, this is just incredible. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And he goes, what do you mean? I said, well, the woman who rang us up so we could get in here is from Ethiopia. True story. You know, and I'm like, how, you know, how does she explain? How does she go back? And I was like, well, I work at this place where we throw away food by the cartful of stuff people don't like. Because I'm not wasting my time on food that's not really good. I'm just going to go back and reload, you know. And there's absolutely any kind of food you could want laid out on this thing. And uh, it's two for one on Thursdays. <laughs> it's like... I, I, I worked in Vegas for a while, you know, and it was just unbelievable. We'd, I'd get off at like 2, 3, 4 in the morning, and you'd go to the buffet because, like, they're 99 cents. And you'd go, and I, I literally had someone come up to me one time, and they are like, do you have peanut butter and jelly and sushi on your plate? And I'm like, yes, I do. Yes, I do. It's just, it's unbelievable the world we live in. We're, we're so incredibly blessed. It, it's hard to fathom. That's just food. I told you I have, I have a father who's a judge. Who, that sounds very scary, but he's a, a great guy and he's incredibly loving. Not many people can say that. I'm incredibly blessed. He has a wife. That's my mother. And they're still together. And they love each other. That's an incredible thing. Not many people can say that. I'm incredibly blessed. 
I think we can all think about things, right? This is the season, right, where we all think about things we're, we're blessed about. When we think that we're blessed and we, we, we think about these things, and we should, you might think it's, it's prideful, it's boastful, things like that, but take that and turn it into what it's made for. We've been blessed, we've been given things, not so that we can be served, so that we can serve. And God didn't bless us unintentionally. And so therefore, I encourage you guys, this next year, um, I actually bought, I, that's not true, my father bought for me, thank you, Dad, uh, this great journal that was like a, a replica of Benjamin Franklin's journal. And, and it's going to be, uh, it, it's a way that he actually did it back in the day where I can spend some time and, and really think about what am I doing? How am I living my life? Am I doing it with purpose? And if not, what am I doing wrong? Don't get me wrong. There's a season to relax and hang out. But ultimately in life, we're going to be held accountable for the breaths we have taken. And I've taken quite a few. Let's look at the second one. Trust in God's judgment. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for good and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Is that true for us today? If you're a believer, the answer is absolutely yes. That's God's plan for us. And sometimes I'll tell you what, it doesn't look that way. <laughs> there are times like, you know, I'll tell you what, my dad became a believer when I was about 16. And I would say the roughest time in my life was when I was 17. Think, sorry, Dad. Um, he's not here right now. I don't know why I'm talking to him. But I'm sure if he looked at his life situation, I, I was his oldest son. I am his oldest son, even still. I'm sure he looks at this and thinks, what in the world, God, is going on? This can't possibly be what you want. Uh, him and my, my mom were on absolute odds. They were fighting like cats and dogs. It, it was unbelievable. They were, they were incredibly unhappy. The only reason I don't think they divorced is because no one in my family had divorced. And so they weren't going to be the first. Out of sheer stubbornness, I think they were together, and that was about it. And uh, I, I know he looked at his life, and he's like, what kind of plan is this? What is going on? And I'm sure there, there are things going on in your life right now. We're talking about Christmas, happy season, all that stuff. And I know for a fact, I can look around this room, and I can see absolute pain. I am sure that at least one person in this, in this room has lost a family member around this time. And every time the season comes and it's supposed to be happy, it's pain. I'm sorry. I'm sure there are people here that have all sorts of kids that have all sorts of Christmas lists and things that they probably want and, and you probably don't have enough money to pay the bills. And you think, what in the world? You see other people out there flooding the stores like they're giving stuff away and you're like, I can't get any of this stuff. Maybe you're like my parents were in the thick of it, you know? Maybe everything looks great here when you come to church, but at home it's just absolute fighting. And you're thinking, man, I believe in God. My spouse believes in God. What's going on? This should be working better than this. Maybe you lost a job right now. 
we met a guy last night who fell off a ladder and you know, he was wearing his neck brace and we were talking with him and we're like, shouldn't you be at home? Shouldn't you be? And he was like, yeah, the doctor told me to take a week off, but I can't take a week off. I took one day and I went back to work and the boss, I had to talk the boss into letting me work. And you just see the pain in his face, you know? He had to make ends meet. He had to bring things together. And it's easy to ask, God, what's your plan in all this? But I encourage you guys, even, even in the thick of all the mess that may be going on in your life right now, God has a plan for you. God has something so much better if you would just trust in him and believe in him. You may say, well, it's been, I've been dealing with this for days, weeks, months, years. Just give him a little more time. Trust in him a little bit more. Could you imagine, you know, lately I've been reading a lot about Joseph. Could you imagine, like, when his brothers sold Joseph into slavery, he was like, that's it, I'm done. Maybe he stuck it out, you know, until uh, he got into the, the house and was elevated, and, you know, and then the woman told a lie about him, and then he was like, that's it, I'm done. Would he, be, would he be in our Bible as a hero of the faith? No. Sometimes there's things that, that God has to work through us, work through other people to show his glory to us, to show his goodness to us, to show his power and strength, all those kind of things to us. And so sometimes it takes time and we just have to trust in his judgment and say, God, I know you have a plan for me and I know it's good and it's not bad. That's where our faith comes in. Our works are we stay in God, and our faith is it's in him. Let's go to the third one. Sort of connected to that one. It's be in prayer. 1 John 5 says, And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we also have the request that we have asked of him. Sometimes we just don't ask. And we're all guilty of this, right? We all go through things. Maybe we think, you know, it's unbelievable as a pastor. You know, I have people sometimes, I, sometimes I hear what people are thinking more so through my wife than I ever hear myself. And I'm like, well, why didn't they just tell me? I had somebody who was struggling with something for like a couple months, and they were dealing with it. And it's like, and, and literally one day they came and they were like, I smashed my phone. I'm like, why did you smash your phone? They said, well, I've been dealing with this and this, and I can't believe it, and I mean, I just need prayer, Pastor. This phone has been giving me troubles, and I I just, man, I've been struggling, and and the phone just doesn't want to work, and I broke it and smashed it. And I was like, what does it take to get a new phone? He's like, 50 bucks. I said, I've literally been sitting on a $50 bill for like two weeks waiting for someone. Because God told me, he goes, this 50 bill is for someone, just hold on. Come see me afterwards. And I'll, I'll just hook you up with Pastor Ron. <laughs> but God had that for him and, and was just waiting. And, and he said, I, he said, I let myself get so angry, I sinned. I broke my phone in front of my family. And man, I, I made myself look like a fool over what? Over a piece of plastic. And he was so frustrated. We've all done it, you know? What happens when we get in prayer and we ask God for things? The Bible says, ask, seek, knock. Really the best term, uh, 
way to translate that would be ask and keep asking, uh, seek and keep seeking, knock and keep knocking. It's a continual process. It's something that we, we should continually do. But as we're, as we're seeking God's face and we're looking to do his will, being in prayer is something we have to constantly be in if we want to be um, on the level with him. We've got to talk to him. Let's go to the fourth one. Fourth one is use your skill set. Once you, you trust and you know that God has his absolute best for you at heart, you know, like I said, look at what he's already blessed you with. You know, in the book of Esther, she's told that uh, she's been set up and called for such a time as this. It wasn't a coincidence that Esther got to the position she was in. It's not a coincidence that God has you in the exact position you're in today, whether good or bad. Wherever God has you right now, it's for a reason he can use you. You may say, well, I've done all sorts of things to screw stuff up. You know what? I did too. I don't know how I didn't get arrested or die in, in my crazy youth. But you know what? God has used that in an incredible way to help me relate to people and to minister to people in a way that I don't know if I could have if I hadn't gone through the stuff I went through. Does that mean everyone should go through what I went through? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But that's where I was. And you know what? God got me where he did, and now he's used me with what he has. You know, and at times he's had me throw stuff away out of my life, and at times he's had me bring stuff in. But he has initially gifted me with some incredible gifts. And he has initially gifted you with some incredible gifts. And I'll tell you right now, that's usually where God starts. If you're like, I want to honor God, okay, I became a Christian. You know, I don't know whether it's 50 years ago or maybe just now you've been hearing me talk and you're like, I want this in my life. I hear about all these good things that are going on and, and man, I'm struggling and I need God in my life. Maybe you just became a Christian. This is where you start right now is you sort of look at yourself and say, okay, where has life brought me so far? And think about how can I use the gifts that I already have right here and now to bless and honor God's kingdom. I didn't start off this way, you know, getting up and just start preaching right when I became a Christian. Um, first role I think I had at church was the sound guy, which is a, a cool job, especially when you're younger, but it's sort of like being a plumber. You go, what are you talking about? Man, I, I used to have people who just absolutely worshiping in the glory of God, and then all of a sudden there was like a little bit of feedback or something, it was like, like, like I purposely did it or something to him. Like, thanks, guys. You know, I really appreciate that. Do my best here. You know. Some guys never get credit. So I always, I'm always grateful for them because I've been there. Yeah, but we all start somewhere. We all do something. And let me be honest with you. What you're seeing here right now, the lights on me and the booming microphone and all this stuff, this is like an hour a week. And... Uh, it drives my wife nuts because I'll get off and you know, everyone's super nice and all that stuff. Then we go home and it's just normal Chris again. You know, and realistically, we read about people in the Bible, even Esther. Esther was an ordinary woman. That's why I love the Bible. It's full of ordinary, mistake-making people but did something that God called them to do and used the gifts and talents that God had given them to use. And with them and God's power, it became glorious. 
And the same is true for all of us, guys. It doesn't have to be big and showy and all of that kind of stuff. But what you have to do is the last slide. And that is answer when God calls. That's what makes the great people in the Bible great. Is there was an opportunity that came their way and God spoke to them. Just like Esther for such a time as this. You can go through the Bible, and it's, it's all of them. Any, any person you look up to in the Bible, there was a moment in time when God called to them for a reason and a purpose, and they answered. That's where works comes in, and that's where faith comes in. Faith is the reaching out to God and believing that he's there. And then the second part of that, the works, is holding on when he does speak. And I'll be honest with you, even as a pastor, God doesn't like... I'm not, I'm not on an hourly, oh yeah, I heard that from God kind of a thing. There's a very small percentage of my life that's like God moment. I mean, God moment. Ultimately, I mean, think about it. I sleep a third of my life, right? I wish I slept a third of my life. It's probably a fourth of my life. Even still, you know, there's, there's incredible parts of our life where we're doing what we do. But if we incorporate these five things, just these five. Imagine if every, you know, um, our, our missionary was talking about, you know, going out into the world and doing things. Imagine if that 30% he was talking about did these five things. The world would be flipped up on its head. It would be totally different. Imagine, imagine if everyone who called themselves a Christian did these five things. So I just encourage you today as we conclude. Um, What's speaking to you right now? This is, this is the faith part, right? You guys came to hear from God. But now my, my challenge to you is this. If you heard from God today, if there was something that was said in these five points, or maybe it caught you, maybe, maybe your heart tweaked a little bit and you were like, ooh, I'm not doing that. I want to challenge you today to answer God's call.